as you um, would walk into my, I can just tell you right now, I'll probably cry two or three times in this message. Um, as you walk into my grandmother's house, in the right corner of the room was a chair. And above the chair was a clock. It was a mantle clock. I looked up what type it could have been, although I'm still not convinced it was this. It is the vintage of a Waterbury mantle clock. Some of you are old enough to know that it was a called a kitchen mantle clock. There's fond memories of that clock. You could hear it tick talk tick talk it would strike on the half and on the hour <clears throat> now kids there's several of you younger folks here you probably don't even know what I'm talking about with a clock ticking um, there's also some blank pieces of paper on your tables if you have a pen or a crown, I would encourage you kids to think about the message. I don't want to not have you in the message. And so as we talk about clock and we're going to talk about time, maybe as God would encourage you to draw children, uh, take that home and talk to your mom or dad and your grandparents about this message. That clock was a permanent fixture in one spot. It was never moved until my grandmother's death. It sat there just keeping track of every second of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. I have no idea when my grandmother received that clock, and it was there as long as I could remember. The clock ticked through time, as I suppose all clocks do. I'm assuming it clicked through my grandmother's joys, I think she probably had it long enough to see two sons graduate from high school, for them to get married, have families. It was there for sure, I know, during birthdays, Christmases, my family visits. I'm positive that it was there through life's greatest struggles and her darkest hours. She lost her husband in a tragic death at a very early age. Then her parents, my great-grandparents, died. There were bad and tough financial times as that clock ticked on. And the world was definitely just like it is now. That clock ticked through wars and illnesses and all the kind of things that we go through today. Why am I walking you down my memory lane? Well, it's because with the modern day advancement of technology, it's possible we've forgotten something so significant as the understanding of time. As a disclaimer, I struggle with this topic. This is a personal message. I, it, it, this message continues to be one of my life's greatest struggles. I'm not so naive to believe that people 50 years ago didn't struggle with time or 100 years or even 2,000 years ago because in our text this morning, we have that. I just want to pose for you 
to meditate on this morning in light of the Word of God. We'll get to the Scripture in just a moment, but I just want us to meditate on time. Could the tick-tock of an old mantle clock illustrate the importance of understanding time from a biblical perspective? If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, would you open up to the book of Ephesians? For our guests, we've been working through the letter of Ephesians for a, quite some time, and we're taking it just a little bit, uh, bites at a time. We're coming now to the 15th verse of the 5th chapter. Chapter 5, verse 15 of the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at just two verses. Three, maybe. Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of the Lord. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. This message this morning, we're going to focus on this verse. In the King James, it says, See then walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Very simply, we're going to walk through what is time, what impact does it have, what impact does the gospel have, and what are our applications. First of all, what is time? Well, there are 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and there are 8,760 hours in a year. Time was a part of creation. Back in the original, in the first few chapters of the book, we see it's God's idea. God is the one that set up the rhythm of the days and night, the rhythm of working and resting. So God ordered the seasons. And the 14th verse of Genesis chapter 1 God said, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. And let them be for signs and for seasons. It appears, it appears that the ideal time was even before the fall. So even before the fall, God had this understanding of time. He wanted us to understand time. What is time? Let me give you three points. Time is brief. Psalms 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. James 4, what is your life? You're, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now there's younger folks in the room. And when an old guy stood up in front of me and said something like this, I would do what maybe you're inclined to do and just ignore the old guy. But what I would say to you is if someone could make me go back to just a few more years prior, I would understand when he said that time is brief, it really is. You wake up one day and you've got kids. You wake up another day and you've got grandkids. Considering eternity, our time on earth is very short. So the Lord is very clear. 
we should live each day as if it were our last. We aren't to take it for granted. We aren't to misuse it. And we for sure shouldn't waste it. Brothers and sisters, we're here for just a moment. And the Bible says our life like a vapor, and then it's over. Time is limited. It's not only brief, it's limited. What do I mean by limited? What I'm saying to us is that, that time has limits on it. It has a beginning and an end. Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Now listen to this. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. In other words, God's written every one of the days of our life in his book before we were ever created. Job 14 says, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. In other words, in the book of Job, we see our, our days. God is the one who orders our days. I'm convinced with all of my heart that the scripture teaches us that we have ordained numbers of days. I don't think we can add one inch to our stature, and I don't think we can add one minute to our lives. What God has ordained, God has ordained. So therefore, us living as if we're entitled to the next day is an arrogant way to live. This entitlement mentality is all about us placing ourselves in God's position. So here's the point. The Bible says in Hebrews 9:27, just as it is appointed for man once to die, and then after comes the judgment. Now, you may not feel that I'm being very encouraging, I hope to be in a moment, but I need to tell us the truth. God's word, as we talk about time, as Paul says to live carefully how we walk or live, make the best use of time, I think he's writing that in light of knowing that there's going to come a day that our life will be no more. We're all going to die. I have a friend that's a funeral director, and he and I talked, and this is one of my things, but it, people just don't go to funerals anymore. I'm not here to promote one way or another, but I'm, I'm glad my mom and my dad would take us to a funeral. You may have a different opinion, and that's okay. I just want to express something uh, that we never were kept as kids. Donna, we were never, my, my parents did things like this, this heritage. We were never kept from, as kids from going to, to a funeral. Well, that, that, that let us know, at least I feel like it let us know, there's, there's a beginning and an end to life. And life is very precious, which is the next point. Life is precious. If you look to the Word of God this very morning, you see it's short and it's and it's, it's precious because the limited commodity. But yet Americans waste time so much. I won't go through all this. i got a bunch of details. But it, one um, Bureau of Labor's, Labor Statistics said average Americans in just an average year spent these, this is a, a daily average, 
I know it's not going to make sense, but if you think about averages, we spend about eight, point, or eight hours and 48 minutes uh, sleeping. We spend over an hour eating. Uh, another interesting thing is we only spend about three hours a day working on average. That's be, I think it's probably less than that because no one wants to work, but that's a whole other sermon. We watch TV as much, as much as we work, two hours and 46 minutes. And we do some kind of leisure over an hour and a half each day. What about in the course of an uh, average lifespan? Well, you spend 26 years sleeping. Some of you with teenagers may feel like they're going to spend almost all of their life sleeping. We watch TV for over eight years. Social media back in this study says we spend three hours or three, we'll spend three years of, on social media and so on. In other words, we don't do very good with our time. That illustrates the point that time's precious, but we waste it. Jonathan Edwards gave one of the most powerful messages on time. It's called The Preciousness of Time. And he says this, and I would encourage you to Google Jonathan Edwards, The Preciousness of Time, and read it. It's one of the most powerful sermons on time. He said, Time is precious because God has given us this life as a preparation for eternity. Do, do you get it? This is where, this is where I kind of get emotional. Our, our life is used not for here and all the enjoyments, although God is gracious and wonderful and he's, he's a good God and he gives us all kinds of things to enjoy, but it's not about all about us. He's preparing us with this life that he gives us for eternity. It's what we've been singing about. And how good is God the Holy Spirit to kind of just prepare your all's hearts to go right with this message? And we had no, very little. She asked me what I was preaching, and that was about it. So what impact does the gospel, we come to, what impact does the gospel have on our time? Let me just review once again for us the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul's been dealing in the first three chapters with the glorious gospel of Christ and all of that is for us. We see his grandeur and greatness. And then all of a sudden, right smack dab in the first three chapters comes Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and through verse 10. And then he tells us that, that God, this great God, gave us Jesus Christ who saved us and by his grace we're saved. It's by his grace we are saved. It's nothing from us, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so this morning we come here and it's, it's God's so wonderful. He says, you don't have to save yourself. As a matter of fact, you can't save yourself. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to prepare for you a sacrifice. His name is Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. And if you place your faith and trust in him, by his grace, through faith, you will be saved as a gift of God. It's by relying on that. And then we turn the corner from chapter 3 to chapter 4, and a verse that just won't get out of my mind is that first verse in chapter 4. Just look at it there with me. It's, 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 a, it's a verse that I just, almost every day, I hear this. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. In other words, Paul's telling us in chapter 4 as he 
switches gears with the Ephesians to start walking in a manner that looks like you're saved. Start living a life that reflects this salvation that's from Christ. And then we come to chapter 5. And he's been going through what this life looks like all through chapter 5. It, 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 it concerns our talk and our speech and all kinds of ways that we live. We shouldn't be angry like the other, the outside world. We should live differently. And now he comes to, to time. And in verse 15 he says, look carefully how you walk. In other words, look carefully how you're living life. Look carefully at that. Don't be unwise. Be wise. I want to make a few points. First of all, when we're saved, the gospel will give us a new perspective on time. Paul is very clear. We're no longer to be foolish with our time. We're to be wise. What is he saying? He's saying don't live like a foolish person. You know there's such a thing as a fool. Fundamentally, the word biblically used, a fool, is describing someone who's lost. A fool is a person who says there's no God. A fool, according to the Bible, someone who does not believe there is a God and who lives in a manner with no respect to the things of God. The great British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, Unbelievers are living an anti-faith life, a life of the flesh, by instincts of mental pride, selfish lust, sensual pleasures, worldly things. They seem to have no knowledge of what's going to come upon us all at the end of this age. Chapter 5, Paul is saying, don't do those things. And now we come to verse 15, and he says, the reason you don't do all those things is because... There's going to come a time when you're going to be no more and you're going to appear before me. But the gospel gives us a new perspective, a new way to live. We are to live wisely. We're live, we are to live with our hearts and lives renewed by the gospel. If you are saved this morning, your life is no longer what it once was. Amen? You are a different creature and you've got a different perspective on life and everything looks different when you're saved including time again martin lloyd jones says you get a new mind a new ability new power new principle of life they all work together with knowledge he has for us so we live knowing time is precious it's brief it's limited we have this new perspective on life you don't want to live like everybody else lives and waste their time and just figures out, well, life just seems to have no meaning. Yes, this day has a meaning. This day is the day the Lord has made. I woke up rejoicing because of what God has done. No matter if it was sunny or rainy out, it doesn't matter. The weather doesn't control my emotions most of the time. Because the God who gave the sunshine this morning is a God who sends the rain. And he's a God who can create a great storm. This is the God we serve. Second, the, the gospel redeems time. It is hot in here. Is anybody else warm? I apologize, but I'm dying. 
If David Robertson's watching, he's going to be making a comment because I always tell him to layer so he can take it off. But anyway, that's not in the message. It says the gospel redeems time. Paul's saying we have wasted so much of our time in our sinful ways, focused on ourselves, we can redeem it. How do we redeem it? Because the good news of Jesus Christ redeems that. It changes the trajectory of our lives. I just want to stop. If you don't like the trajectory your life is on this morning, let me tell you something. Jesus can change it. If you don't like where you're at, Jesus can change it. If you don't like how things are shaped up right now, if you need a new perspective on life, the gospel will change that. What we once thought was important, we now know is not. It's as if you're, God's allowing us to buy back time. Another way we may say it is to make every effort or every opportunity with the time we have. You all have today. This is the day that you have. How will you use it? We're not promised tomorrow. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus. Tomorrow may never come. But this is the day the Lord has made. The gospel gives us a new set of glasses to view each day with. It's no longer just something to endure, but rather today is a day to live for the opportunity to live for Jesus, to walk in a manner as one who is saved. The days are evil. I won't have to comment on that. The days are evil. But the point is, greater is he that's in us than in he that is in the world. The gospel redeemed time makes an impact on how we are to live. That describes the the rest of the book of of Ephesians. I'm sorry, of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles and you're still in chapter 5, it's just real simple. Just after he says that, it's no accident. Then he's going to say, then be filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. So in other words, when God gives you this new set of glasses, well, what am I supposed to do on this time? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God, God, fill me with your spirit so I can make every effort to live for you. And then he doesn't just stop there. In the next few verses in chapter 5, he begins to say things like about spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. Well, that means that we're going to live a life of worship. What am I going to do with my time? I'm going to worship you. And then you flip the page right over to chapter 6, and we're eventually going to get there. He talks about wives and husbands. Wives and husbands. Man, this is where it gets real. How much time do you spend just bickering and arguing with your spouse? I'm no different than you guys. Kim and I spend way too much time just bickering about the stupid stuff of life. Stop. I'm preaching to myself. She'll remind me that I said this. Make them a priority. Make your spouse a priority. God, spouse. That's his order. How about children and parenting? It's right here in the next few pages of our text. We'll get there. It changes the way we parent. I no longer parent just to make my kids conform into my little image. I'm parenting because my kids are eternal beings and I want to share them the gospel. Donna, you had no idea what you said this morning. Where are you? Right back there in the back. You were raised Baptist, weren't you, sister? (laughs) All the way to the back. Um, You have no idea what you you said this morning. This This is the point of the message. Parents. Your goal is to to raise your kids in the Lord. Now, God determines the results. 
It's up to God whether they're saved or not. That's, that's God's business. But your business is to instruct them. Grandparents, that's our business. Children, you're to use your time listening to your parents. They're not all stupid. And especially about the things of the Lord. It's, it's the way we work and, and how we employ people. The days are evil, but we can redeem this time. And then finally, he says because the days are so evil, he ends this chapter, he ends the, the book with spiritual armor. We're, we're, we're to fight. It's a fight. Christians need to fight. Not physically, necessarily. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual fight. If you're going to redeem the time that the gospel is going to impact the way you live, you're going to have a spiritual battle. And so he gives us resources to do that. Because the days are evil. Isn't God good? Now what applications are there for... Stop spending your time. Application number one. Stop spending your time. Start investing it. Guess what I'm going to tell you. The first way is to make this day a priority. And God bless all of you. You are. I know I'm preaching so to speak to the choir. But if you start with the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, when you start calendaring your, your time, you block this out. These first, these first hours. Hebrews 10, 24 says, don't forsake the assembly. Second way to invest your time is, it's not going to be a surprise, by the word of God in prayer. You notice that's what Donna said as she said what she said. Look around and see who you can invest your time in for eternity's, eternity's sakes. I, at uh, some point in time, I'll, I'll get some permission, but I was in a conversation with a dear brother this week, and he, he just said, I have invested in the Word of God and made it a habit, and it's changed my life completely. Uh, what, what, a, what a wonderful thing to hear from somebody. You can get back time if you invest in prayer and spreading the Word and remember the Lord is faithful and read your Bibles and place your confidence in your Lord. Command your children. Those are things that you can do. Time is an investment. It's not something you should be spending. It's something you should be investing in. Wake up every day and approach the day as the, this is the day the Lord has made. If you would just do that that, that, that really has helped me. Just every day I wake up and say, this is, this is the day God's made. It's no accident. May 2nd is no accident. Number three, I think. Make plans in light of James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and make trade and make a profit. But verse 14 says, you do not know what, what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For it's a mist that appears for time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and this is something the Lord convicted me of several years ago, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. There's a Latin phrase, Deo Valente, I think I'm pronouncing it right. The, the pilgrims, I'm sorry, the Puritans used to use the word, not only SDG for to God be the glory, solo de gloria, but they used to put DV by everything that, said, that just meant, these are my plans if the Lord wills them. I'm going to make plans if the Lord wills them. <clears throat> Finally, finish well. 
several years ago, um, you know, my, Jake was talking about it, and it's very true about my own life. My, my own life has spiritually looked like the stock market. It's going up and down. I think that most of my life has a, a forward up cycle, but it's definitely not a hockey stick. It's not to the right and straight up. And um, I was probably in one of those, not probably, to be very clear, I was in one of those down cycles. And um, God brought me through that. And Kim and I were growing, once again, probably together better than we had been because of the down cycle. And her and I just started talking about finishing well. It matters how you finish. There's been some saints in this church. We've lost a lot of saints in this church in the last several years, a few years. They finished well. There's saints in my mind from the last 25 years that I look to and I, I want to finish like them. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, you know it. It's where Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. One of the greatest concerns for my life and for the life of others is not finishing well. <clears throat> this is, um, for full disclosure, this is the second time I've preached this message, and it's a little different this time. My mother's been present both times, and I'm going to use her and make her an example I want to encourage her, but um, when I talk to her, she tells me, Tim, I'm, I'm getting old. Hey, Mom, we're all getting old. The moment you're born, you start getting old. Um, she has no idea I'm going to say this, but what I, want, what I would want to encourage her to do is to keep doing what she's doing. I'm not trying to brag on my mom, but I am. I, I look back at two ladies that I grew up on their street, right along with Naomi Anderson, and, and I, I see two ladies that, that are a, got a little bit more years than they had, right? I'm trying to make a point. These ladies just continue to be in the Word of God, continue to pray, continue to fight the battles, and that's finishing well. Mom, if the Lord called you home today, you finished well. In other words, what I'm saying is just keep living your faith. And, and like a marathoner, when, you, when you're running, it, it, one of the greatest things I've ever done was I, I ran the mini. I, I didn't think I was, thought I was too old, too slow, and too fat to do that. But... But as you, as you walk, as you come into to the, the finish, there's people, there's people screaming, people you don't know telling you to dig deep and go deeper and, and don't give up and you're almost there. And, and uh, anybody else ran the many in here? Have you, is, is, you, you've ran the many. And it's, is it not a, a, a terrific experience, right? 
and uh, you, you feel like you're dying. And, and so, uh, but when you get to the finish line, you throw up your hands. And whether you are or not, you feel like you're in full stride. And that's always been an image to me of how, it, how I want my life to end is to, to finish well. And so that's the application. I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, um, whether you're Gage's age or my age or Brother Howard's age, time is brief, limited, and precious. We have no idea how much time we've got left. But I'm telling us here this morning, if we love Jesus, every day is a full stride. Amen? It's, it's, it's amen. It's, it is. Now, I'm doing better than I thought, so I want to conclude. I want to give you just a, this is not about me, but I want to, I want to confess my sin. I'll do it quickly, but the reason this is so important to me is because I've blown it. And when I literally look at, out on this crowd, I see younger men than me. And I, and I think about me being in their spot. And uh, I don't want you to do what I've done. I always thought that working hard and putting time in and, you know, working more than anybody else. I, honestly, it's just a pride of life kind of thing for me, I'll be honest. It doesn't matter what my job would be, I'd work the same way. And it's, it's probably because of my own insecurities. And... Uh, 2018, we went on a family trip. Now, my family drove to Orange Beach because I was too important to drive down with them. I flew down. And uh, that's because I was so important. My mind really was never on that trip. And God had a way of sending a hurricane, or a hurricane if you're in Texas. Every day calls from work would come in and literally the, I thought my world was, I thought I'd go back to no, no job, no, no company. And uh, the hurricane was there and it was coming and it was pressing down and sustained winds of 160 mile an hour. And so I had this bright idea because the most important thing was back in Edinburgh, Indiana. I decided I'd wake up and I was going to go rent a car and drive back to Indiana, which I did. My family will never, ever forget me leaving them in a hurricane, ever. My granddaughters will never ever forget their loser of a grandfather grabbing in a, getting in a car, driving away from them. My son-in-laws will never forget the idiotic move I made.
I share that with you because I've always struggled with how to use my time. I've always struggled with it. I don't know where the balance is to work hard and then not to work. I don't know where the balance is, is to, to just relax. So this, this message is super duper important to me. We live in a world that nobody wants to work, so I don't want to discourage working. But we live in a world that seems like all the priorities are out of, out of step with reality. And the days are getting evil. Err. So if you, like me, have got your priorities. Now, I, I think maybe I get a C plus better, honey. A little better. I'm, I'm in an intensive outpatient program. And, and I'm doing better. I'm not joking, guys. I look at some of you guys, and I think it, it could change your families and change our church if you just would listen. I, I look at some of you younger folks, some of you I don't really even know, and I would just say, if I were your age again, I would say, every day the Lord's going to give me, I'm going to use for his glory, and I'm going to enjoy the wild adventure that's ahead of me. So... We're going to leave this way. There used to be a time in a church we talked about surrendered life. I think we need to surrender our calendars. There's some of us that need to go home and have a family meeting to ask for forgiveness and to repent. There's some of us that need to stop living like coming to church is a burden and serving the Lord is agony and, and you just have to endure this. That's not saved people. They don't act like that. Some of you need to look your wife straight in the eye and I'm one of those that can, needs to do it on a daily basis and just say, I, I, need, to, I need to do better. Let's, let's, let's make use of our time. Some of us need to rethink the way we calendar. And there may be even one person in this room this morning that all you have is time here when you walked in. But the Holy Spirit has asked you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, your life's going to change because you need to trust Him as your Lord and Savior. You've, you've, you've floored it with it long enough. Um, they're going to come and sing again. And I'm going to pray. And then we'll have our benediction this, this message on time is, is because eternity is so important. I want to close with three little phrases from Dr. John Piper about time. Life is short. Eternity is long. Live like it. Let me say it one more time. Life is short. Eternity is long. Live like it let's pray father i uh, thank you for the opportunity to preach thank you for the opportunity to talk about time thank you for the opportunity that you may have for someone this morning
to come to know you as their Lord and Savior. But all of us, Lord, need to take a real solid look at our time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before they, <clears throat> Jake, that picture. Before they uh, come up, uh, just a little Dillingham trivia. I don't know if you all can see that. That's a picture of me and my dad. I preached this message, a version of this message at their church. I had no idea where that clock was. After my grandmother's death, I had no idea. My mom just says, hey, bub, I need you and Kim to swing by the house after church. I had no idea what she was even going to tell me. That's just never good news. It never has really been in my whole life. But anyway, um, so uh, she, we walked in. We kind of messed around, and mom disappeared. And my dad gave me that clock. Now, that clock's going to burn up one day. So I don't, it's, but it's a treasure. And so for me, that's, a, that's, that's something that reminds me of this message. And God knew exactly when I needed to have that clock. There's clocks in all of your lives. There's something in all of your lives that God will bring to mind to, to keep you um, walking in a manner worthy and so uh, I just just want to thank God this morning for the way he's worked in my life why don't you come and close this out